Okay. Some of you have an idea of who's been placed on your fellow sisters' hearts and for what reason. Uh, the second question, though, because these are all prompting us for what we're going to discuss today. The second question is this. What situations or circumstances have been bothering you or on your mind lately? Be specific. Again, about 10 or 15 seconds and around your table for a minute and a half. Okay, so I think we all have shared just a little bit. Um, if you didn't have a chance to share, you might want to jot down some things on the side of your note guide there, maybe of the people that have been on your mind or the situations and so forth, because that will come in handy. Um, we'd like to though, it'll be in the forefront of your mind as we go through this lesson. Okay, so the question here is, what is intercessory prayer? And I have to admit, I've asked that question several times in the past because I was a little confused about what intercessory prayer was, what regular prayer was, what prayer for, prayer for myself meant, how to pray, so forth. But just to put it in simple terms so it sets us up for, for the stage on this discussion, is it's the act of praying on behalf of others. Okay, that's intercessory prayer, just in a general statement, which will go further and further and further. We can add on to that statement. That's the basic of what intercessory prayer is. Now, here's the next question. And don't, um, don't talk around your tables on this one. Just jot this down real quickly so we can move on. But the next question is this. On a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being least and 10 being most, where would you fall on the scale of intercessory prayer? In other words, where would you fall on the scale in which you pray for others? Where would you fall on that scale? One being the least, ten being the best. Okay. Just a show of hands, how many could be better with intercessory prayer? It's going to be all of us. Um, Unless we're like Christ... It's going to be all of us for the most part. Well, it is. Not for the most part, it is. Okay, so here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to kind of work a little bit strategically in the beginning of this lesson plan. And then as we go through, it will make more sense. So what I did is I actually boxed out a section for you, for me, each individual in here. And that's on your study guide. Then we're going to go into a section of looking at Epaphras. Then we're going to look at a section going into um, what Jesus did when he prayed. So the first box here is for you. Again, around your tables being kind of quiet, you can mingle a little bit, but I want you to focus in on your thoughts on this. But what you're going to do is you're going to look at that first line, and it's going to say the prayer of blank. Put your name there. Okay, and with each blank thereafter, put your name there. So it will look like this, the prayer of Rachel. Rachel, colon, remarkable features of Rachel's character. The manner in which Rachel prays. What Rachel prays for. Okay, now with that, take a few minutes. I'm going to give you two minutes to fill that out as best as you can. It might mean not a lot to you or it, or you completely understand it. Whatever hits you first with those sentences, just go ahead and write. It can be, uh, it can be, um, real detailed, but for the most part, I want you to really write down what comes to your forefront of your mind. Do you need me anymore, Whitney? Okay. We're filling out the box that says the prayer of, and that will be your name for those of you who came in late. You have another 30 seconds here. 
Okay, so you have an idea kind of where you're at on character, on the manner maybe of what you pray or what you pray for. Um, sometimes we have a jumbled mess in our mind and writing it down helps us distinguish that. However, does it line up with how other people would view you in regards to that? So if, um, let's say um, one of our pastors was sitting here, let's take Patty for example, and she says, hand those in. Does the prayer of Rachel, wow, does that line up with what she's, what she's writing down? Or perhaps it's Jesus sitting here and saying, ooh, does this line up with what you have down. So that's something that I want to focus in on, and it's going to get a little bit stronger as we wrap it up. But that's going to, again, be on the forefront of where you're at with prayer. Okay, so let's move into the prayer of Epaphras. If you were here in the fall, you will know that Patty discussed Epaphras, and we studied Epaphras and intercessory prayer. Let me tell you, that had such a profound effect on me because it was validating everything I was experiencing from the summer to the early fall. And when that lesson came out, it wasn't by coincidence for me. It was totally, obviously, God speaking and really laying it on my heart to really focus in. So since the fall, I've really hounded in on what intercessory prayer is and really trying to put it into practice. Well, to get a feel really how what God calls us to do regarding intercessory prayer, we really need to look back to Scripture and see in history um, where this is stated and how it lives today. So I want to take... Epaphras, because that's that's the that's the key person that hit me hard. And again, if it didn't hit you hard last time, maybe it will this time. Or if you weren't here last uh, session, then here's some here's some new study material for you. Now, Epaphras isn't listed a whole lot of times in the Bible. Matter of fact, there's um, just only a handful of scriptures that he's um, Paul is referring to Epaphras. So it's not someone like Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It's just you know a servant of God, but he is detailed by the characteristics that that are just outstanding, and that's what brings them to the forefront in this study. So Colossians 4.12, either you can turn to the page, or I have this scripture listed for you. Colossians 4.12 says this, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends his greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Now, what I want to do with that scripture, just keep that again in the forefront. I want you to turn to Colossians 1, 7. Now, I didn't list this in the beginning because I was really trying to study some of the strong scripture at first, but then the last few days, again, going over and over your study, this started hitting me a little bit more deeper. So I thought, you know, I have to mention Colossians 1.7, and it goes on to 14, and I'm going to read it for you. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ, on our behalf, there's a key word, behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. It goes on to say this, And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the, in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. 
For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So, not just with Colossians 4 through 12, but if you take 1 through 7, then you dissect that. My goodness, talking about praying for you, and there's a reason why we pray for you, and that's what we're going to talk about. So, let's dissect Epaphras here. Okay, so Epaphras, the remarkable features of Epaphras. And does this, um, do any of these features, as we look back at your own features, um, are there any similarities there? Here's the remarkable features of Epaphras' character. He is a servant of Christ, Paul calls him. So, Paul states, he is a servant of Christ. He was a prisoner in Rome, it is assumed, and that's in Philemon uh, 23. Uh, basically, Paul uh, refers to him as his fellow uh, prison mate, <laughs> um, whether it's a, um, being in prison with the dominion of what's out there or actually a, a, a jail cell. He wrote nothing. He was a praying man, so he wasn't like um, you know the gospel writers or like Paul or, or um, any of those writers. His special calling from God was to pray. He worked hard and consistently in his calling. And matter of fact, we're going to look at this as well. In Colossians 4, 2 through 6, if you want to open up your Bible to that, just flip it back just a little bit. Okay, and make sure you write these scriptures down as well because you can go into further study with these as well. Okay, further instructions here. Verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us Two, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim a mystery of Christ or which I am in chains. Pray that I, I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So there, again, pray. Pray for everybody. Pray for all of us. Okay, the manner in which Epaphras prayed. He always labored fervently in prayer for his brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's a question you can ask yourself. Do you pray fervently for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Here's what uh, Epaphras prayed for. It was the Christians that Epaphras prayed for intensely. And we're going we're gonna to see why here. As a matter of fact, Clyde Martin said this. This was an indirect way of winning the loss of Christ. For if believers get more of God's grace, they will go and tell the lost about Jesus. It is difficult to find soul winners, but more difficult to find Epaphroses to pray for them. The cold, reluctant inconsistencies of Christian workers are an immense hindrance to the winning of souls. When the workers are full of the Holy Spirit and have a love for souls, the lost see in them something that the world cannot give. Do you remember um, when we were talking um, in the past and Philippians talking about uh, a, a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ and being that neon sign that people see? That's also what we're talking about here. Just being um, where people are seeing Jesus in you and they want that and they think, they see truth that they see life in that and that's again um, what this is referring to regarding Epaphras he was praying for believers because Epaphras believed just like we do that believers are going to set that foundation and spreading the word and and getting into uh, the lives of non-believers so it's the church as well interceding with prayer Epaphras prayed for his fellow brothers and sisters that you may stand firm in all the will of God mature and fully assured Epaphras prayed for others, not for himself, for others. He had a personal interest in all believers and without doubt prayed every day for those he knew. So 
a question around your table real quickly. It can be yes or no. Do you pray every day for all the people you know? Real quickly. more towards about how you are with praying. But I'm going to, first of all, how am I doing on talking slowly? I've been really conscious of trying to talk slowly. And and I, I find myself being somber because I'm like, uh, I've been really trying hard because that was a suggestion. Actually, after every heart, left, left, heart um, strings lesson, I do have at least one comment say, oh, you talk so fast. So I'm talking, I'm trying to talk very slow. Uh, but I find my mood being like this. So <laughs> that's probably going to change in the next 15 minutes. And I'm going to start with a story. So anyway, I, I have a story to tell you again. I, um, was going into my favorite store, which is Target. <laughs> but this wasn't recently. This was several years ago. And if, if you know me and my family, besides the love of the Lord um, and charities that function on, on missionaries and, and whatever it is that the Lord calls us to contribute to, whether prayer or money or time, um, another um, off-the-side um, work that my family is very heavily involved in is the American Heart Association. My father passed away from a son heart attack. His father passed away from a son his father, all at the same age of 55, so it's really affected my family, and my son in utero had heart issues, and then um, my brother, I mean, so it's just a bit, you know, how that just hits you hard, and then you just have a, uh, just a sincere um, passion for, you know, um, uh, being a part of something that's that's uh, helping with research and, and saving lives and so forth. So the American Heart Association is my charity. There's my plug. <laughs> we do have a heart walk coming up in two weeks, if anyone's interested, um, which Marna and Jill Jensen, I've got some things for you, so don't leave. Um, so anyway, Target. Okay, so I'm very involved in the Heart Association, and I'm walking into Target um, about three months before my main event comes on in the spring, and I'm walking in, and all of a sudden I notice this guy with the American Heart Association shirt on, an older guy, um, maybe in his late 70s, and, I, and that kind of you know, caused me to look, and not that I look at men, but he had that shirt. <laughs> I was looking, I'm like, oh, good for him, yay, and I made eye contact, well, he started coming over to me, and and I'm a pretty approachable person, so I, I rarely go running down another aisle, I'm like, oh, hi, I see you, you know, start a conversation, and, and we had this wonderful conversation, and he said, um, yeah, I'm going to tell you a story why I wear this t-shirt, and he was standing right on the corner, and he had mentioned already that his wife was, was meandering through the store, so he was just waiting for her, and, <laughs> which is a good guy. And so he was waiting at the corner, and he said to me, well, you know, um, it's not just about the American Heart Association and, and educating people. It's about God. It's about God saving my life. And he used the people involved with the EMTs and the hospitals and all these people to, to bring to bring me back to life. I actually died. I had a heart attack, and they revived me. And since then, you know, it's been this huge passion of mine to educate people about the heart. But my biggest passion is educating people about the miracles that God performs. And right there, I was just blown away because I thought, not only does he love the heart association, but he loves God, and he's, you know, he's talking about God. Well, he then asked me, so he's got my full attention. He gets out his, first of all, he gets out his pad of paper, which is just like this. We give these out for the heart association. He gets out his pad of paper, and he said, um, 
just like a reporter, and he flips over several pages, I mean, several pages towards the back, and I could see there's columns and 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 claims. And he says, may I may I have your name? And I said, well, of course. Um, what for? You know, are you recruiting me for that hard session? So I, you know, my sister's the director, I'm a part of it. And, and he said, um, no, I'm putting you on my list because I'm a prayer warrior and I would like to pray for you every single day. Does anybody know who this man is? Because I would be astounded if no one knew. His name was Bill Daly. Does that ring a bell? Yes. Okay. Prayed every day for every single, went down the list every single day. And I'm not talking just one piece of paper. He had a full thing. I think these things are thick. A name after name after name after name. And he just added me to his name. And he prayed for me. And he called me a week later and left a message. Um, and he got my phone number from my sister. And um, uh, said, on the early customer, she said, Rachel, I just wanted you to know that I have been praying so hard for you every day. And, uh, you know, just for someone, you know, you hear, I'm praying for you. And I think we become blinded to that sometimes because how often are those prayers forgotten? Or how often do you forget to pray when you say, I'll pray for you, here are my thoughts and prayers? Do you really do that? When you say that to somebody, do you really do that? I've been so guilty in the past of, of struggling with that. I'll be with all intentions of praying for somebody. And then I it gets lost in the shovel. And then it, you know, th- three weeks later, I'm like, oh, oh, that person I ran into three weeks ago, I, I hadn't even been praying for. You know, and he called me and said that he'd been praying for me and he'll continue. Well, of course he's passed. But the fact that I knew that he took that so seriously and to call me and tell me that he just wanted to show me that he was committed to praying, not with the other hundreds and hundreds of people. I think his list, my sister said, she thought was over 900 people um, that he went through every day and prayed for and had a reason to pray and knew them by name and knew them where he met them and so forth. That was amazing to me. I want to be like that. I want to be like that. That was so unselfish of him. It was selfless of him. And those are the people that are extraordinary to me as well. I mean, anyone that prays is extraordinary, but that is pretty extraordinary. Do you do that? Do you have a list of all the people that you've encountered in your circle of influence that you have prayed for? Okay, we're going to get to that. Okay. So, there's a today now example of what I would call um, somewhat of an Epaphras. Okay, the prayer of Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. Because we're all asked to be Christ-like. We're all trying to strive and grow and mature like Christ. Well, the prayer of Jesus... That's huge. But there's a small little um, snippet here in the beginning, because I'm going to keep it short here, because I'm going to really focus more on the remarkable features of his character and the manner what he prayed for and what he prayed for, okay? But in addition to the Lord's Prayer, which is listed in Matthew 6, uh, 9, which all of us know, um, <laughs> better, and especially some of us, that's, that's been our prayer with it. For me as a Catholic, um, our Father who art in heaven, that was, that was the only prayer I knew, um, you know, as a child. And, um, and for many of us, if, if you, um, our believer, and you read into that prayer, it's powerful. As long as you take, don't take it for granted, it's a powerful prayer. But Matthew 6, 9 through 13 is the Lord's Prayer. But also, the Gospel is recorded in the Bible, other prayers that Jesus has said, and there's so many. In matter of fact, his life was like a prayer, basically, um, with that communication that he had with God. Okay, so Jesus, let's dissect this. And I want to get through these with a little bit of power, but quickly, because the focus is going to be how we are going to transform our lives um, regarding intercessory prayer. And I want to focus the end to that as well. So remarkable features of Jesus' character. He was a wise teacher. He was a worker of miracles. Absolute purity. He had compassion for the sinner. 
He had sympathy for the suffering. He had tenderness of friendship. He he had complete devotion to communicate with God. He resisted temptation perfectly. Zero selfish, self-seeking ambitions. And he made the ultimate sacrifice. That's powerful. That's powerful. Now, if I was to take those and match it up with my character, where am I falling short? There's going to be a lot of places I'm falling short in. Okay, the manner in which Jesus prays. Okay, and these are bullet points. Now, because I'm going through these pretty quickly, and this is a, a, a study, Heartstrings heart is a study, not just for today, but until we meet again or until, you know, it's ongoing, um, I would assume that you would go home and study the scriptures, and that's, that's the best way to continue on with the Heartstrings studies, to take what you learned, like what Marty taught last week, and just um, pray about it, look over it, look back over the scriptures, and have God speak to you a little more, because frankly, I'll be honest with you, an hour and a half is never enough time. It just never is for the Lord. It never, never is. I, uh, some people struggle to say things, but some people are quiet in prayer, and, and, and revelations will come. So I strongly encourage you this week to take every little scripture here and go through it and just dissect it out because of time I've listed the scriptures but what I did under some of these bullet points is I put parentheses around them because not necessarily would they apply specifically to what we're talking about in which Jesus prays but we talk about how other people in the Bible like the apostles pray together as well Okay, so the manner in which Jesus prays. Jesus prayed with others. And in Luke 9, 28, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. So he prays with others. So scripture talks about him praying with others. In Acts 1, 14, his apostles pray together. So um, after Jesus uh, went to heaven, after he was on earth here, after his resurrection, or after he came alive again, um, he, all the apostles joined together and prayed together and continued praying together. Okay, Jesus prayed alone. In Luke 5, 16, Luke says this, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And again, we talk about some of the prayer aspects um, in the last few weeks. Lonely uh, places because of no distraction um, is is wonderful wisdom to to pick through on that scripture. Um, In Psalm 46.10, um, the psalmist says this, Be still and know I am God. So again, talking about um, withdrawing and going to a, um, a very lonely place so that you can be still and listen and know instead of being distracted and carried off and not know. And that's what wisdom from the psalmist there. Jesus prayed in nature in Luke six twelve. This is what the scripture says. One of those days, Jesus went up to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. He went up to the mountainside, so he prayed in nature. Um, many people, I know, um, when we talk in heartstrings, we talk about um, you know creation of the Lord and being out in the wilderness. My husband's one of them. When he he's a he's a hunter, <laughs> he's a deer hunter, and uh, and I I tell him to go because he takes his um, Bible with him. He sits in that tree stand and he's stuck there for four hours, and he will read and read and read and read and read, so, and then he prays and prays and he looks at the creation that God has made, and for him that creation just validates God's powerful hand in all we have, and so. Just like Jesus. Jesus prayed in nature. As do many men that I know. <laughs> like to be outdoors as well as women. Um, in Psalm 19, one the psalmist says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. 
talking again about nature. So those parentheses are, are just supporting the scripture. Uh, beforehand. Jesus prayed in short moments and also moments to, of endurance and length. So the Lord's Prayer, for example, was full of wisdom. So if you dissect that prayer in Matthew, it's full of wisdom, but it's short and it's simple. The problem with that sometimes is we end up saying it real quickly and then we're done and we don't even think about it. And it becomes more of a ritual and um, it loses less meaning and sometimes we need to retract that and go back and really look at the wisdom of that of that prayer. But also in Luke 6, 12, remember when uh, I read just previously one of those days Jesus went out to the outside to pray and spent the night praying. So then he's got long endurance prayer. So, so staying overnight, and I know many women who, um, and some in this room that will take trips and they will spend days in an isolated area and just pray and pray and read and pray and read. It's very hard to do in this day and age with families and young kids and maybe work and distraction and husbands and uh, neighbors or whatever it is. But to isolate yourself and kind of go for a revival and have extended um, um, nights or days of prayer and um, communication with the Lord is amazing. And Jesus did that. Jesus prayed regularly in Luke five sixteen. Often says often. That doesn't mean um, you know every every time he thought about it, you know, or just felt like it, or you know, next week or the next month. It was often. So I wonder what your often is. What your description of often is? Is it daily? Is it weekly? Is it monthly? Jesus' Jesus's prayers were heartfelt. He prayed in heartfelt supplication. He demonstrated empathy and genuine love for God. And that is portrayed in John 17. If you read that whole chapter, John 17, I can't dissect any specific one without leading to another. Um, you'll see that he demonstrated empathy and genuine love for God. Jesus prayed based on his knowledge of God and his truths. His prayers were in complete line with God's revealed truths. John 4.24 said this, says this, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Um, and that brings a little side note here, okay? So if Jesus prayed based on his knowledge of God and his truth, that's when we return to the Bible. How many, how many times have we, um, have we prayed and um, we really haven't thought of the meaning of God's will and God's revelation in the Bible? Um, there's, so, there's some people out there I know of, and I don't believe they are believers, that will pray for... Um, Justification of someone, or vengeance, or um, boy, Lord, go out and you know show him that, or maybe it's your husband. I used to be one of those before I came to Christ. Oh Lord, if you would just you know bring him down, and you know whatever it was for my benefit, but it wasn't what Scripture said, and it wasn't supporting Scripture. It wasn't in line with Scripture. Um, but what Scripture says and what is in line um, will be revealed to you, um, hopefully, as you become closer in your relationship with the Lord. Okay, Jesus taught persistence in prayer. So in Luke 18, um, as a matter of fact, let's turn to Luke 18, because that's a good one. This is about the widow. If those of you know about the persistent widow. Some of us will be good at this, because we can be pretty persistent. Okay, Luke 18. This is the parable Jesus used of the persistent widow. Then Jesus told disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray 
and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me, wear me out with her coming. And Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge said. And will not God bring about justice for the chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So, to me, that's interesting because, you know, I might not know exactly um, in the prayer that I'm praying you know, what, where that's going to lead to. But I know that if it lines up with Scripture and God's will, whatever His will is, I kind of have to go open-minded. Whatever your will is, Lord, I'm just praying because for all, you want good for all here. But if it lines up, it it will be answered. Some, somehow, some way, um, it might not be intentionally the way that you wanted it answered, but it's, remember, God's plan is better. And it's going to be lining up with Scripture. And if we're persistent in prayer, as the parable says... How can God deny those requests? We're crying out to him night and day, night and day, night and day. How many times have you just made one prayer, one simple prayer for somebody, and then said, okay, pray it, and off you go. Okay, is that really investing your heart? Is that really investing the character that God wants you to portray as a Christian? Is that portraying love? Because Jesus prayed all the time, and he portrayed love. He portrayed he prayed all the time in persistency. Um, and just like the parable says, if we cry out night and day, God is going to see our heart's desire, and he knows our heart's desire. But he is also going to reveal himself, not just um, with solution, but he's going to bring us closer to him. And not only will there be a solution, whatever that solution is, he's going to draw us closer and we're going to have a better understanding of him and a better love for him and a better love for prayer and a better love for people. So there's a lot of wisdom in that parable. Okay. Jesus knew that not all his prayers would be answered as expected. Matthew 26, 36-44 reads that. Let's turn to that because some of us have that question. But uh, instead of knowing that, um, um, that certain prayers might not be answered the way we want them, then we get discouraged and we get angry at, at God. So Matthew 26. 36 through 44. Jesus went down with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with the sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watching me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. That's key. Not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch over me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Love that one. He went away a second time and prayed, My father. If it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. That's pretty huge. Goes on to say, when he came back, he began found he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. He prayed again. So do you think he called out several times? 
times? Do you think he gave up on prayer? No, he didn't help. Just one prayer and walk away. He prayed out that same prayer. One, two, three times with passion. He prayed that out. I could go on, but I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna move on here. Okay, let's move to Jesus. What Jesus prays for? Okay, Jesus prays a praise that everyone can know God. And two verses, uh, scripture that support that is Matthew and Luke there that you can study because I do want to get towards the end here. Um, Jesus prays for others. Matthew nineteen thirteen is about the children. Remember when the children came and the disciples were saying, no, 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 you know, kind of swooping away and he retorted, no, 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 bring them to me. And he laid his hand on them and, and prayed. Um, so he prayed, on, he prayed for them. He prayed for others. John 17, 9 says this, I pray for them. Jesus prays that God's name will be glorified. So in John 12, he prays that God's name will be glorified. Jesus also prays for the people to gain faith in him and know that he is God. In John 11, this is pretty amazing because I think we've talked a little bit of this in some of our lessons, um, in raising Lazarus. So remember he waited a little bit and then he came to the uh, the sisters. And anyway, before he raised Lazarus, he prayed. He prayed to God, and he prayed God uh, to God about the situation, basically, and basically a plea so that the people may see and believe the works that are going to be done. So that by he was praying to God that the people that are around him, that if they witness this miracle, they're going to believe in me, and therefore, Lord, you know, there we go. You know, we've got believers. We've got children. Children of God established here. And so that was amazing because Jesus was praying for the people to gain faith in him and know that he is God. And he did that before performing that miracle. Jesus prays for the task that lies ahead, which is the crucifixion and resurrection. Not for his sake, but others. And in John 17, again, that chapter to really read on, he prays for all of his disciples, and then he prays for all of the believers. Okay, so if we go back through that list, and I'm going to take a few minutes on this one. If you look back through that list regarding Jesus, the entire list of the manners in which Jesus prayed and what he prays for, which are you strong in? If you could just take a few minutes, a first minute on your own to take a star and just maybe asterisk the little areas that that you feel like uh, you're comparable with. I mean, it's Jesus, of course, but that you feel that it's a strength. You're not going to be the best at it, but you feel that that's a strength. And then there are others, other bullet points there that you're going to feel um, are a weak point in your life. And those you might want to circle. So take about a minute for each of you to do that. And then for about a minute and a half, uh, pick two or three strong ones or two, and two or three weak ones and share across your table. So hopefully um, some of you have shared some of your strengths, some of your weaknesses. Um, in any situation, we always have room to grow. Always. And like we say so often, but, um, that I, I ask my, myself this quite often um, over courses of studies and times in my life. I think, oh, what am I going to be like in these areas next year at this time? Or in five years? Or in ten years? Because I know now, looking back five years ago, I'm so much further, which is which I thank the Lord. But again, we're going to grow and mature and grow and mature, and I'm excited to see what God's going to do for me in the next year, next five years, in regards to these type of um, 
prayer components. Okay, so some detailed questions before we get down to the real nitty-gritty here. Not that this isn't all nitty-gritty, but I, again, just building you up for the end here. Why are we to provide intercessory prayer? Okay, well, here's some bullet points. We intercede because they are God's creation. So if we're praying on behalf of people, it's because they are God's creation. We intercede because it gives us an opportunity to pray for those who may not. We intercede because it moves the hand of God. We intercede because it enriches our spiritual growth. How many times have you prayed to the Lord for someone on someone's behalf, and then God is revealing himself to you, and you're just glorifying him, and then it just becomes this just awesome cycle back and forth? We intercede because it is selfless. Jesus was the ultimate person that showed that. We intercede because it gives us an opportunity to thank and praise God for what he has done for others. We intercede because it reminds us of what Christ did for us by interceding for us. And a good one here is we intercede because we strive to be Christ-like. If we're trying to be Christ-like, isn't that what we should be doing? Doing what Jesus would do? We also intercede because we communicate with the Almighty Counselor. How many times... um, have you, when you are in a situation, or maybe you know of a situation that you turn to your friend right away, or your husband, or spouse, or child, or neighbor, coworker, and you just you feel like you have to talk to somebody about it? And what ends up happening is when you talk to that person, then immediately they hear the situation, and almost always they come back with, oh, well, why don't you say this, or why don't you do this, or why don't you approach this person this way? Always. Well, what if we turn that pattern, because I, I have been guilty of that, what if we turn that pattern to going directly first and foremost to the Almighty Counselor and getting direction from Him? So if we have a situation or a person in our life, um, you know, I, Patty stood up here one time and was talking about counseling, um, and some people would come up to her and say, Patty, uh, what should I do about this situation? And she would just look at them, and I was waiting for her with this, you know, this answer. And she said, well, what does the Bible say? You know, take a step back for a second. Oh, yeah. Because when I go to the Almighty, Almighty Counselor, he's going to reveal himself. And then I'm going to be reading scripture, and he's going to reveal himself. He's going to be speaking to me, or he's going to lay something on my heart. And so instead of going to, when I have an issue with somebody, first and foremost, I'm going to that person, which we should, or going to someone else. I first, I've been, I've been practicing this, and I'm getting better, and I want to be so much more better going to the Almighty Counselor. And getting the, the best direction, the best counseling I can. And the revelation just brings me so much closer to him. And I give him praise. So here's a question for you. When you've witnessed or observed a situation with concerns, do you tend to discuss it with someone else? Who do you tend to discuss these concerns with? What generally comes from this discussion? Because some of you have some, some friends that give you some pretty interesting advice or spouses, or kids, or neighbors, or co-workers, um, and share that around your table, because it's, 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 it's happens a lot, so a couple minutes, and actually, the people who have not spoken a lot, let's have them speak on this one. So there's some good chat on this. Um, we could probably go on and on about this, but wouldn't it be great... Um, first of all, I have to kind of step back and, and retract a little bit. I just know that I have some wonderful sisters in Christ and a wonderful spouse that would say to me, uh, well, Rachel, let's look at scripture or let's do this. I'm not saying that, you know what, we shouldn't come to each other because as sisters and brothers in Christ, uh, we should. But 
but why not practice first, going directly to the Almighty Council first? And then, of course, you know, um, God using each other as a church, you know, encouraging each other and lifting each other up for prayer. The wisdom that comes out of that and the revelations that come about is just amazing. But what if we were practicing by saying this to our friend who comes to us and says, hey, I'm dealing with this and this and this, and then just saying to them first off, did you pray about that? Did, you know, did you take that to the Lord yet? You know, because if you haven't, I know you're weak, but let's pray right now. Let's pray. Let's take this to the Lord right now. Let's go to the Almighty Counselor. And you know what? I'll pray for the Lord to reveal in, uh, wise words that I can give to you as well. Um, but what if we were in practice of that? And therefore, starting that chain of praying for that person and really praying for that person because we all struggle. We're going to have Christian sisters and brothers that are going to be very weak at times, whether it's through tragedy or losing somebody or spouse situations or financial situations or whatever it is. And that's understandable. And that's what the church is called to do is pray for each other and lift them up in prayer. But there's no reason why we can't first go to our friend and take them to the Almighty Counselor together and pray together and then ask the Lord, um, you know, to um, to reveal wisdom um, so that we can help with that or to reveal wisdom to them and so forth. But to go to the Almighty Counselor first is a good practice point. To go to the Almighty Counselor first and everything else will fall in place. Okay, so moving down. Who is to offer intercessory prayer? That's a great question because a lot of people say, well, I don't have a gift for that. As a matter of fact, I don't have a gift of praying at all. Well, I'm going to challenge you on that. The fact is that the job of every Christian is to pray. The Bible says that. The Word says that. All Christians have the Holy Spirit in their hearts. And just as He intercedes for us in accordance with God's will, we are to intercede for one another. Alright, if you want to turn to Romans 8.26, please. I'm going to even read a little bit further than that because because I was reading a little bit further into God's will. So I'm going to read a little bit further into that. So if you want to jot down through 29 um, or even through 30, that would be fine too. Okay. Romans 8.26. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So remember, when we're weak, the Spirit helps us. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. When he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. I'm going to move forward, continue on here. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn of many brothers, and so forth. But I love that part where, um, in 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. So we know if we trust the word, we're going to believe that whatever we're praying for for that person is going to be for, for God's will, for the good. For the good of that person. So we're going to trust him. We're going to surrender that to him. And that's part of offering intercessory prayer. Okay, now if you want to skip over to 1 Samuel 12, 23, which is in the Old Testament. I'm going to read the scripture and then I'm going to back up and read a little bit more to it. Because, you know, you can throw out a scripture, but man, it's, it gets more powerful when you add kind of the context around it that's intended to go with it. So I'm going to start with this scripture and then I'm going to back up for you, okay? So, um, in verse 23, in 1 Samuel, As for me, 
Far be it from that, I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. Okay, so now if I back up, this becomes even stronger for me. Okay, in 19, if you want to back up to 19. The people all said to Samuel, Pray to the Lord your God for your servants so that we will not die, for we have added to all our other sins the evil of, of asking for a king. Do not be afraid, Samuel replied. You have done all this evil, yet you do not turn away from the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn away after useless idols. They can, can do you no good, nor can they rescue you, because they are useless. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people, because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against my Lord by feeling to pray for you. So what he's saying there is he understands that they are going through some major struggles. And matter of fact, isn't that what the enemy does? Isn't that what Satan does? He loves to get footholds of people. And so what is happening here is that he understands that, that, oh my goodness, these people that are so striving to love the Lord with all their heart, they're getting footholds. Satan's getting footholds and there's a lot of spiritual warfare. So how dare I not pray for them? I've got to. This is a war. I have to pray for them. And by not praying and I'm seeing this going around me, shame on me. Shame on me. I see, I can see. <laughs> there's a book. Maybe you're noticing this book out of seven. That is talking about. I read it. I love it. It's changed me uh, just tremendously. But there's this one part where um, the gal, Jen Hatmaker, is the author, is talking about she's getting a cup of coffee. I think I've mentioned this before. And she goes into her quiet little room. She sits down and she wants to go enjoy her, we, my husband called Bliss Moment. And she lo- and then um, this vision of her um, comes across the kind of her mind of this window and all the suffering out there, all these people suffering. I'm talking maybe it's third world country suffering or it's people going through abuse or um, tragedy or death or major spiritual warfare. And she's seen all this chaos going on. And, you know, and then I go further with this and then you turn your head away and you keep sipping some coffee. You know, it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. You know, but I'll tell you what, when God lays you something on your heart, and if that was what was God was laying on, on her heart with that window vision, boy, don't you think we should be doing something about it, praying about it, you know? I mean, it, it, that's, that's the way I look at it. There's just so many examples of maybe God has placed something on your heart, but you choose to just turn out of sight, out of mind. But those people need cries from us. They need, they need us to be praying. Um, and those are some of those people, they can't help themselves. Who's praying for them? God's asking you to pray for them. Okay, so we'll get into that. So I've got some examples here. Okay, Acts 12, we don't have to turn there because we're running on time. So I just uh, want to point out uh, this here. But Peter and Paul, when asking others to intercede for him, did not limit the request to those with a special calling of intercession. They didn't say, hey, because you're strong with intercessory prayer, I'm going to ask you, just you and you and you, to pray for us. The rest of you, forget about it. Don't worry, it doesn't matter. It does matter. It does matter. It was the whole church that prayed for him. The whole entire church. And how many times do our leaders um, here in this church ask us, please be praying for us. Please be praying for church. How's that fast going? Started today. How's that fasting idea going? You know, um, that type of thing. It's not just you and you and you doing the fast. They ask the whole church. They ask the whole church. They're asking your help. They're asking your help. Okay. Ephesians 6, 16 through 18. Paul starts the Ephesian believers. All of them on the fundamentals of the Christian life, which includes intercession. All of them. Every single one of them. Of that church. Okay. Intercessory prayer is part of the Christian life for all believers. Okay. Who are we to offer intercessory prayers for? Now, this is just kind of a, a list of scripture. Um, 
I just want to make sure I got some scriptures to point out some of these things, but then we're going to go into detail a little bit better here. Okay, all in authority. We're supposed to pray for all in authority. Let me tell you, I had a real tough time doing that with with, with politics. I I won't go there. I I just, I know I want to form an opinion of me, but I will tell you, um, (laughs) people had heard me get really frustrated and angry about um, certain politicians, and um, you know what? Instead of my energy going into anger, it's taken me the last half year, um, thanks to some supporters in this room, Marty Agnew, who I won't mention, <laughs> who, who lovingly calls me out with a wonderful um, letter of prayer to, that we sh- I should be praying for um, these people, and you know, um, God has a hand in it. But it was getting a foothold of me. And it was robbing me of all the opportunities I could be doing for Jesus Christ. Instead, I was wasting my time on the frustration. So, um, all in authority. Okay, so all in authority. So, 1 Timothy 2, uh, 2 says, uh, talks about that. Ministers. We are to pray for our ministers. Okay, the church. We're to pray for our church. The, our friends. We're to pray for our friends. Job. There's a good scripture in Job on that. Our country. Our Americans, our fellow Americans, whether you're one party or another, or you're um, uh, this or that, we're to pray. We're to pray. Um, the sick, James and James. The enemies, um, our enemies. Okay, love your enemy. Um, those who persecute us, to be praying for that. Um, how many times does does emotions get in that way and then we we start living kind of based upon that emotion of that hurt instead of just giving it up and showing what true love, God they love, God's love by praying for that person or change their heart or they don't know what they're doing. Hey, that sounds familiar. Did Jesus do that for us? For us? For the heathens out here? You know, he, he's praying on our behalf. He interceded on my behalf. And I can't uh, pray on, on behalf of someone else who's persecuted me. Okay? Um, those who forsake us, again, same thing. Each other, everybody, all of God's creation. Um, intercession helps us to see with spiritual eyesight the needs of others and to lift our voices to God's throne on behalf of others. We end up acknowledging their needs. Um, also, you know, besides the fact in that list of, you know, I pray for the Lord to give me strength. I pray for myself. I pray, you know, that he strengthens me and convicts me and humbles me and all those things. And then there's my natural little circle that's very, for most of it, my spouse and then my kids and then my family and then my, you know, the list goes on and so forth. Um, but what's interesting here is we don't think about some of those other people on those lists. Um, we might not think when we're talking about um, the ministers in this church. Let me tell you. Uh, those child care workers in our church are ministers to my children. Phenomenal. I have to point out, like, Becky over here, who I see her every time I come here for something. She is doing something for the children. She's doing something for the children, whether it's in child care, whether that's a minister. Do I want, should I be praying for her as an influence over my kids? Absolutely. Don't forget those people. You know, or what about this when you're going down your list? So that's in my major list there. And that spreads out. So I pray for my kids. I'm praying for the ministers that are involved. Um, or I see Amy Pageant over there too that is in Awana when I come in and pick up. And she's excited. The kids are excited for the Lord because it's people like them. Or what if um, I pray for my kids' future spouses or your grandchildren's future spouses or your neighbor's future spouse or your co-worker's spouse? I'll tell you what, I went to a silver ring thing here. I don't know if some of you are familiar with that. It's a, uh, it was uh, brought here, uh, Heritage uh, hosted it way before I came here on board as a, as a member of the church. Um, I was a member somewhere else, and 
I will tell you what, um, the silver ring thing, we've got my oldest daughter, who was young at that point, before she was getting into her teen years, and um, they and, and the service was for kids and for adults about purity um, and waiting, um, you know, for, uh, until marriage. And um, anyway, um, <laughs> it just was like being hit like a Mac truck when the, the uh, leaders of this program were saying, and you parents, start praying for your children's future spouses. And you know what? Day one, every child was born in my household. We started praying for their spouses because I want them to. I want them to have a godly spouse. You know, so we're crying out. That's our heart's desires. You know, um, and I think that's pretty cool. So it not just not just when you look at those little categories, it ranges out hundreds of different ways. But God's going to lay on your heart and put in front of you those areas to really call out on. Okay, so how can we be better at intercessory prayer? Well, there's three quotes here that um, I really, really like. The first two are Richard Foster. If we genuinely love people, we desire for them far more than it is within our power to give. And that will cause us to pray. Intercession is a way of loving others. Um, I'm going to use this for example. I think you've all looked at this gift for long enough. I'm wondering if any of you want to know what's in this gift. Okay. Well, I have a niece and nephew who have everything. They live on a farm. They have everything. And last Christmas, I was baffled to what I was going to get them. I'm like, they have everything. I, I just do not know what to even get them, where they would just open up and be a mom. But I thought, you know what? What would I want someone to give me for my children? What would I want my children to be? That could be a really cool gift and, you know, um, you know that would be invaluable. Well, the priceless gift that God laid on my heart for the, this, these two kids were um, basically a prayer. So I gave them a gift, and on the card that I gave them, I wrote out, um, Dear Tatum, Dear Gage, I am going to pray for you for the rest of the days of my life, every day. I'm going to pray that, that you know God and that you do um, God's will. And I wrote just a letter, and they opened they opened those gifts, had not a clue what that, you know, okay. Um, but the parents, that was so priceless for them, that someone was going to pray for them 365 days a year. You know what? If I, um, if someone wants to give me a gift, that would be priceless to me. That would be their ultimate love. That they're going to sacrifice um, time to pray for them and have my kids on their heart for the rest of their lives. I think Patty talked about that with her children. Um, the two uh, mentors that um, led her to Christ prayed for her every day, prayed for her kids every day, um, and they had passed, and it was very sad for them. Um, or the intercessories that prayed for her kids had passed away, and it's very sad for them because she was wondering who was going to be the intercessories for those kids, you know. And same thing here is um, when I look at that, I look at intercession as a way of loving others. I wanted to show love to that family by saying, this is priceless. Material stuff, they'll fade and break. But this, I, I can do this for you. And that was my way of showing love. The next quote. We must never wait until we feel like praying before we pray for others. Again, um, it's that discernment. If God lays it on your heart or there's something that just brings you to the forefront of that person or that situation. We must never wait. Prayer is like any other work. We may not feel like working, but once we've been at it for a bit, we feel, we begin to feel like working. So it gets hard in the beginning thinking, oh, you know, I can't, it's hard to establish this. But then once you see the power of it, 
And it's like momentum, then it gets you excited, excited, excited. And that's what we're going to talk about here in the last few uh, minutes is really how to gear up for that and get excited about it and seeing the power of prayer, especially intercessory prayer. Andrew Murray wrote this. Prayer is the most dynamic opportunity available to God's children. And you know what? It's free. It's there. I'm not going to go out and spend, I'm hard up in finances or whatever. I'm not going to go out and spend $100. But what I am going to do is give you something that's priceless. Who would want that? The recipient might not understand that. But you know what? Through your prayer, eventually that revelation will probably put be put in front of them at some point. And that will be cool, that revelation when revealed to them. It may never happen in your lifetime, but maybe um, maybe uh, going on will. Okay, so here's some things that that I prayed about, that I kind of researched some study that I thought would be good to help us be intercessory prayers. Because really, that's what we need to do is grow and mature. So that in five years we can look back and say, oh, I've come so far. I'm not quite where I, I really want to be, but I'm going to strive to be there. And then the next five years I'm going to be even better and better and better. Okay, so the number one thing is start with your heart. Has God been laying someone on your heart? Is there, just think of the situation we asked before those questions. There's situations that have been laid on your heart, whether it's crossing literally in front of you, the, the situation's happened before your eyes, or it's just something that's just on your heart. Um, here's something that happened to me over the summer, because I have to use personal testimony for this. And by all means, I say this with sincerity. I, I prayed um, for this, but I'm going to say because it's true. There's going to be some people in this room guaranteed that will be sensitive to the subject, but it's on abortion. Know that if you ask for forgiveness, if you're involved with abortion, you are forgiven. You are, your your slate is like clean. I think we, you know, as a believer, I know that it's a fact. So I say this with sensitivity. I say this very much. But over the summer, part of my anger with politicians were the ads that came on TV. Was um, t- you know, uh, pro-choice ads just angered me because I'm very pro-life here, and it just angered me, angered me, angered me. Especially coming off of just having a baby. At first, I thought it was hormones. All of a sudden, every ad that would come on about pro-choice and, you know, they're trying to take your rights away, blah, 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 I just would start crying. I'd see these little, my little baby's feet kicking around, you know, and I'd be like, I just, Paul me. I could just, <laughs> I could do it today, too. Um, I was on the treadmill one morning in the summer, and those ads came on. I have, you know, TV on just to kind of keep my distraction, and on the treadmill, and all of a sudden, I came on, and I thought, instead of being angry at Satan here, you know, or at this politician, I'm going to be angry at Satan, and I got on my knees, and immediately on my knees, to start praying, Lord, this is for babies, I mean, they're your creation, I know, I know that you have a hand in it, but if I pray, if I pray, and I just beg just one person to not have an abortion today, just one person, I just plead, if it just changes just one person's life, or I get a change a community of people's lives or a country's lives. It starts with just prayer. We can make a difference with prayer. God can make a difference with your cries. In my heart, God laid it on my heart to do that. And I know people in this room have been affected, and it's very deep. And I pray for you because I know, um, you know that feeling. I don't want, you don't want other mothers to feel that way. But I prayed, and I prayed, and it wasn't hormones, because it happened again the next day, and the next day, and I mean, I'm, and I'm not saying this to boast, but I was on my knees, praying, if this prayer had just saved one baby today, or a community, what if we all did that? Just one baby, Lord, one baby, how many babies would be saved? Because we can, God can move mountains. We can lift up people in prayer. He can move it. Don't think he can't. Don't think they're going to have it anyway. Don't think people are going to go out and have abortions anyway. You pray. Pray. 
Because God can move mountains. In prayer, with faith, we could do that. And that was just a revelation to me. Because then, Patty Town and Epaphras in the phone, I was like, that's what's so heavy in my heart, is I, who's going to be praying for these people? It might not be women with abortions. It might be your neighbor. Who's praying for your neighbor? Who? That person that does not know what I can sit at my table in my bliss moment. And now I have another idea of coffee title. I look at each neighbor and I pray. Because they don't know God. Or at least I, I'm pretty sure they don't know the Lord. I could be wrong, but I think God's laid it on my heart just to go through each one. Because I can't sit there and have coffee knowing that their eternity is on the line. I just can't do it. But it doesn't take me a full day. It just is presented to me, and I'm not going to turn away. God lays it on my heart. So start with your heart. For me, God laid those unborn babies on my heart for a reason. Shame on me if I turn away. You know? What if we all turn away? We're the cries, we're the pleas. And as Christians, that's what we do. Another thing is, um, I'll move to this one because I'm going to use this example towards end here. Okay, so, so laying on your heart. Okay, the second one is go from first to last. Okay, so daily pray for your circle of influence and authority in your life. Number one. Our friends and our family and friends, okay? So our family and friends, my kids, my circle of friends here. Okay, so again, this is your circle of influence that are right around you that you can be praying for. Number two, our church. No, I have to retract it. God, put someone on your heart. Pray for them. But here's another way. If you're kind of idling, here's another way to go down the list. Our church, which is stated in Romans 1.9. Because our church, as we build up the the momentum and the strength and we're praying for each other, then we're going to be able to hit those non-believers even more. So starting with the church. Okay, then our communities. So like my neighbors, those neighbors that I'm talking about. um, Or the people that my kids play with or whatever it is. Our nation. Nehemiah 1.6, our nation, and our world. What about those other countries, you know, that um, we have so much conflict with, and the people that are in those countries, and so forth. Um, be specific, though, about your request when you're thinking about those things. I mean, I just went randomly pick a country and be like, oh, I'm just praying for it. There's a reason why I'm picking that country, and there's a reason why I'm going to cry out for that country. And what the... Sp- and- and what's it going to line up with the spiritual outcome? Uh, what would what would be the spiritual outcome be for this? You know that Lord, you know uh, for this neighbor, the spiritual outcome. I just I just I just pray that Lord that um, you're in their lives to comfort them, um, whether it's eternity situations, salvation situations, or maybe it's comfort or uh, revelations or whatever it is. But what is the spiritual outcome for each of those little entities? Okay, number three, um, make a list or journal entry. I started doing this um, a few years ago with my heartstrings folders. That's the great thing about heartstrings is that it gave me a time to reflect and I would go through and study things. But I started making a list of people. This was my first list when I first came, which was not very big. Um, and, and then on the on the next time, I put such and such peace, such and such healing, um, marriage, um, God's plan, salvation, um, marriage, salvation, healing, so forth. And then... And, as heartstrings would start going down the road, then my list became long. So now I have three columns, you know, a fourth one over here for myself, which was strength, obedience, wisdom, knowledge, trust, proactivity, all that, conquering fear, anxiety. Um, but I wrote down all the people and all the reasons why they were laid on my heart. Um, you know, those little flags that we're trying to pray for. Um, so making a list is kind of nice. Um, you begin writing the names of the people um, that are placed on your heart so don't, so that you don't forget. Because if you're like me, distraction. Satan loves distraction in my life because it takes me away from the focus that God intends me to have. And I know that is a weak point for me, so I have to make my list. Um, 
I have another, oh, my planner. So not only my folders, but to, to, to armor up, I also have my, um, my daily journals, um, which I write down once a week, um, at the beginning of the week, each of my, the people I'm praying for and what I'm praying for. And then I go back to that. So that distraction is, is, is taken away from me. I'm trying to, I have to find a a solution for those weaknesses. And God is a lot, has shown me that this making is really good. Um, next each name though, write down what you're praying for regarding this person, taking it a step further, write down what God places on your heart to help that person. What should that spiritual outcome be kind of, um, there's examples right here, which is, um, for example, my friend, Tracy, which I have a friend, but this is not her on this, um, so that God would um, soften her hearts, um, that she would seek God, that she would have patience and self-control from what, what she's dealing with. And then, um, Lord, help me and give me wisdom and strength um, regarding dealing with her or whatever that might be, you know, with that circle of influence person. Okay, so that's, those are just some helpful hints there that have helped me. Number four is establish a pattern of practice. Make a commitment to practice. Be reminded that intercessory prayer is priceless. Going back to that give. Again, if someone was to come to you and say, oh, I am praying for your husband or I'm praying for you every day, like that Bill Daly said to me, priceless to me. I would take that over, I would take that over anything. I really, truly would. I really, truly would. Um, and also, it can be one of the greatest things you can do for another person. It is selfless, it is simple, and it is love. And in that gift, um, maybe that gift is um, prayer about you, about strengthening you, yourself. I mean, not to be selfish on that, but Lord, humble me if I'm overpraying. You know, if I'm focusing just on me all the time, maybe you need to humble me or just talk to the Lord about what that is. Or maybe it's your kids, you know. You're giving this gift and you give it to a mother here. I'm praying for your kids. Or um, your church. Uh, I'm giving this gift to you and um, Jane Doe. I'm going to be praying for your spouse every day for the rest of my life. Um, or your pastor. Um, your parents. Some of you have parents that you are so concerned that have not been saved yet. Um, maybe that's just in your visual of a gift. I'm going to be praying for my parents every day. Um, you know what my cool thing is that I thought of uh, that was laid on my heart last week was um, just a neat little idea for some of you is those people that you're praying for, maybe you do just write out a little thing, date it, and just make a commitment and put it, tuck it in an envelope or maybe even a little gift and know that that is a reminder that you're to pray that about that person every day. Maybe it's someone that's not saved yet. And then someday, wouldn't it be cool if that person did have a revelation, got laid out in their heart, and you were able to say, this is how God placed you on my heart and give all the glory to God, you know, and how just show how God placed you in your heart. You know, just kind of some neat things to do. Moms with um, future spouses and kids and stuff like that. So establish a pattern of practice. And remember, practice is tough. So, um, you know... <laughs> It takes a lot of time for repetitive, repetitive motion to kind of sink in, and uh, then you get it. Then you get it. But hold something accountable. For me, giving that gift to my niece and nephew, now I said it, a yes is a yes, a no is a no. I told them that I would pray for their children every day of my life. And that is a visual, I have a visual reminder in my Bible, and I made a commitment to pray every day um, for the rest of my life for those two children, along with my others. Okay, think immediate and urgent. As soon as someone is laid on your heart, take time to pray for them. Because you will never know why they were... You might know, but you might not know why they were laid on your heart. 
Okay, you may never know what is going on with that person, but as to why he or she is laid on your heart, more than likely is because you are to pray for them. Don't miss this opportunity. The power of prayer is amazing. Therefore, don't delay the power of prayer for someone. Um, I will have to use this with the ag news, Margie. Um, since the subject with her son passing away, the day that he got ill, Margie talked about that last year. Um, I feel honored that um, I was able to be on their journey with them to an extent. Um, but I got that phone call from them that day. And um, you know that feeling where you just can't do anything else because you're like, I, 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 it's on the forefront of my mind. So all I could do, I felt helpless, hopeless. I could I could hear the fear in their voices and their, you know, the tears and just, uh, um, you know, not knowing what's going to happen next on that first very first day. All I could do, again, it's like the um, revelation of abortion, dropping to my knees and praying. I didn't know what I needed to pray for. I was just praying, to Lord, to comfort them, guide them, um, you know, for, you know, God's will, you know, if it's for healing or whatever it is. I, I didn't know, but I just knew that, again, Something it was just groaning, and that's all I could do. I was kind of speechless, but God knew that I was interceding for them, and they were weak at that moment, and prayer warriors, you know, we can be strong, and we can lift the weak up, and then they will start feeling that. And how many times have you felt um, someone, someone um, you know someone's praying for you? You just know that you know you know. How many times have you felt it? My husband came home last week. He's... We, I came off of a crying episode yesterday after Pat, or last week after Patty talked. It was just a revelation, and I was just like, I gotta be stronger. Praying for my husband, praying for my husband, praying for my husband. He came, so I started praying immediately Wednesday and Thursday, just because he's in kind of a man's world of construction, and it's real tough for him, and, um, he's a great man, but just has some struggles, and, um, the next day he walks in and goes, You've been praying for me, haven't you? With a smile, I'm like, Yes, I have. And you know, I didn't want to tell him that I'm going to pray for you, because then he'd be def- he might be defensive, and that might be, and, you know, I might be mad when I say that. But I literally took a step back, went to a lonely place, called my heart, prayed. He was laying on my heart. He came back, and I said, You've been praying for me. I mean, and he just. It was wonderful. It was a great gift for him. And he really feels love. Felt love. So think immediate, urgent. If you're gonna say you're gonna pray for somebody, do it. Whether you write it down or right on the spot. My brother used to do this. He's like as soon as someone says something and I say, Okay, um, I'm gonna pray for you, then uh he didn't wait until that night. He went to his car, lonely, alone, prayed for that person right then and there. So think immediate and urgent. Okay. Um, we have two minutes <laughs> to do this. Um, if you want to turn on this song, we get, I'll, we'll probably get out here one after 11. But for the duration of the song that's being prayed, or being played, which is about praying, so prayed, um, this is the prayer page. I have three quotes on there. Um, I want you to jot down people that are in your circle of influence and beyond, such as in nation, community, whatever, and what you're going to be praying for them for and how God can help you um, with that person. So let's take the next three minutes and let's actually physically make a list of all those people. Let's make a commitment on this list, this prayer page, that this day, going forward, we are going to pray for these people and continue the list on. And when God lays out our heart, we go. So let's take a few minutes.
make a commitment this day going forward, um, if you already haven't, to to think or to take intercessory prayer seriously, not lightly. Um, never know um, why God is placing that person on your heart, but to pray for them um, is powerful, and it's the priceless gift that no one can can give um, but you. Um, and uh, let's let's check in sometime. Maybe next uh, on the twenty second when we do the questions, let's see how everyone's doing on that, and maybe that can be a guideline for you, or you establish your own guideline. Maybe we can chat about it. I think that'll be exciting. Until then, let's let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for your word, Lord. We just, the truth that's in that word is so powerful, Lord. Um, what's really revealing to us today, Lord, is the power of prayer and um, how our responsibility comes into play with that. I'm, I'm praying on behalf of others, Lord. We just ask that you, whoever you put in our paths or on our hearts, Lord, that you make it evident to us, Lord. Convict us when the distractions come in front of us so that we can remove them, so that we can truly do your work, Lord. We want to identify um, and grow in those areas, Lord. Give us strength to do so. We rebuke Satan in these times that we're going to work for you. Um, And as always, Lord, we just love you and we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to grow and mature in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day.